Welcome to Radwell's Automation Nation. Adjust the volume or put your favorite earbuds in and let's explore the manufacturing and automation industry together. I promise you if you love the industry or just cool technology, you will love our podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 18 of Radwell Automation Nation. Today's topic is definitely important in the business world and especially in the manufacturing world. All those PLCs that are in use in an industrial automation environment may at some point need to be disposed of. Do you know the proper way to manage your manufacturing IT assets when it's time to dispose of them? Joining us for today's episode is Chris Reagan, president and founder of CLR Solutions. CLR Solutions is a specialized electronic recycling, refurbishing, and data security services firm. When it comes to data security, having peace of mind is important. CLR Solutions has a mission to be a trusted partner in data management and security for their customers. Chris has had a passion for technology and a mouse in his hand since he was six years old. According to his bio, the only thing he is more passionate about than technology is helping his clients recover as much of their investment in IT assets as possible. For the majority of his career, Chris has worked in various areas of IT. He has a BA in Information Technology and Management Information Systems and an MS in Organization Management, both from NJIT. Chris established CLR Solutions in 2008 and quickly achieved status as an official Microsoft-registered refurbisher. CLR is also NAID and Department of Defense certified. As a result of Chris's passion, dedication, and leadership, CLR Solutions has emerged as a leader in IT asset management, data security, and investment recovery. Chris, welcome to Automation Nation. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, so we're going to jump right in here. We've definitely got some questions for you. Sure. Let's start off with regulations. Are there rules or laws in place that dictate the proper disposal of IT equipment that manufacturing plants have to follow? And if so, where can someone find out about what the rules are? So the rules vary by state to state, but um, most of the states, you know, for example, New Jersey has its own set of e-waste universal waste laws that prevent the equipment from just being disposed of with regular electronics or excuse me, with, a reg- with uh, your regular you know, municipal waste streams. So it varies from state to state then? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so for example, there's, there's EPA regulations, kind of like you have federal regulations on some things, and then states enact their own set of additional regulations. But New Jersey, for example, they, they tend to have some of the strictest regulations. So they follow along with uh, California, and, and their regulations when it comes to regulating used and surplus electronics, they're governed under um, universal waste laws, which uh, universal waste is actually for a lot of your plant managers and that they're familiar with that under, you know, it's covered under all your hazardous waste and all your other uh, non-hazardous waste streams that the plant would be producing. Then other states like, you know, some adjoining states, for example, Pennsylvania, they ha- their laws are much more lax, I guess is the best way to put it. When it comes to the uh, disposal of electronics and some of the more rural counties don't even have regulations in place for it. Interesting. I was unaware that it was different from state to state. Yeah, there's 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 no standardized regulations like the EPA has certain guidelines about electronics and that, but there's not a there's not like a set of like okay, these are the de facto standard guidelines that every state has to you know, abide by. And each state enacts its own set of laws and regulations. Um, 
I know here for New Jersey, for example, we where we are, they have their, a set of regulations where they actually force manufacturers of electronic devices to provide what's called EPR, extended producer responsibility. And they have to make sure for every pound of electronic equipment that they sell into the state, they recycle back out an equal number of pounds. And then they contract with different vendors and collection locations to then make sure that an equal amount is collected from residential, small business, and municipal sites so that they have a responsibility so that there's full life cycle for equipment being sold in and then that there's equipment coming back out. So if someone wanted to find out based on the state they're in what what the actual rules are, where do you look? Where do you go? Usually, I mean, the easiest way is just hop on Google and then, you know, type in, you know, like uh, your particular state and then uh, universal waste, e-waste. That's the key word, universal waste. Recycling, recycling laws. And then each state has its own version of DEP, Department of Environmental Protection. That's what it's called in New Jersey. New York is Department of Environmental Conservation. So they all have their own three-letter acronym for that department that regulates it. Got it. That makes sense. And uh, you, know, you just uh, jump on Google and then, you know, New Jersey has its own like an e-recycling, e-waste um, part of their of their universal waste, the DEP department, uh, part of their site. And then they even list uh, different vendors that are licensed with them. So you can actually go on there and see, like for us and other, other you know, other people in our industry, we're listed on there as a, you know, as a licensed facility. Got it. Chris, is disposal of IT equipment something that OSHA looks for during plant inspections? From from our understanding, from working with being in the you know a lot of our clients in the in the manufacturing sector, when they're going through doing you know their plant tours and looking around for everything that they got that they want to check off on their on their clipboard during an inspection, usually they'll if they see as I've seen it before in other in certain you know other plants and that where there's the electronics are just piled up in a storage area or maybe kept in their, their Hasway storage room, or they just could be just scattered around the plant or even just piled up outside. OSHA looks at them and usually will then uh, make note, will tell the plant manager, and then uh, usually gets referred over to whoever their state DEP inspector is. And then that inspector ends up making uh, you know, a trip out and looking at the storage and containment of the electronics, you know, throughout the building and then, you know, make sure that, you know, anything that's taken out of use is properly labeled, you know, it's state, state by state with the regulations. But, uh, you know, as an example with New Jersey, you know, when, when the equipment's taken out of service, it has to be stored and labeled as, you know, universal waste. And then the date that it was taken out of service, because here in New Jersey and several other states, they have to be um, disposed of within one year from the calendar date that they were taken out of service. I just thought of something else. Now, is this type of regulation only applicable in the United States, or is this something that's done globally? Uh, From my understanding, it's done globally. So like in the EU, you know, and all those, you know, as it was obviously like the I'd say the biggest market that we're familiar with, they have their own set of regulations that in some cases are, are even more stringent than the U.S. and the EPA. Interesting. When it comes to, you know, the containment of, of, the, of electronics and that, because, you know, a lot of electronics in, in certain areas, you know, people usually take the 
cheapest path of least resistance. So a lot of equipment now, you know, in, in any industry, there's some, there's bad actors and, uh, a lot of stuff tends to get exported to, you know, the most common area is Africa. Equipment gets exported there and it's not properly disposed of. And a lot of times data is not uh, properly destroyed or wiped from the devices because, you know, the vendor is most interested in just, you know, making the most money and, you know, getting it done cheap. That's a little scary. So who should a plant manager be working with internally for proper waste management? Like, is there an internal role within a plant that's kind of standard that usually handles this sort of thing? Yeah. So um, you, usually mo- most plants, I mean, depending on the size, have EHS, which is environmental health and safety. You know, there's usually a coordinator and then usually a manager, depending, you know, depending on the size of the facility. And you know, you, they're usually tasked with all those, you know, environmental health and, you know, safety requirements. And, uh, you know, the electronics fall under the environmental because of the way that they're governed as universal waste. So electronics, and since um, if you look up the universal waste definition, which obviously varies by state, but electronics are covered under that along with um, batteries. So like all the batteries from, you know, like different, you know, flashlights, lights, uh, you know, different fixtures in that alkaline, lead acid, lithium ion, all those type of batteries are, are covered under universal waste. And then most plants, uh, you know, use some sort of fluorescent bulbs and their lighting and then UV bulbs, depending, you know, for different things. So all those bulbs in that are also covered under, under universal waste. That's a lot of universal waste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, for example, we handle all those different types of waste streams that basically anything that's governed under those universal waste we handle. And then, uh, anything that's not is usually hazardous waste. And, uh, you know, then the plant would usually work with their, their hazardous waste vendor for compliance of, uh, the proper disposition of, of those waste streams. But yeah, normally it's the, usually the EHS manager, and then if the plant is not doesn't have someone that's dedicated or assigned to to that role, then it's usually a facilities manager is what we've seen. That makes sense, actually. And then uh, you know if they do, you know, if the facilities manager then would coordinate with uh, you know with with IT. Because I mean, you know, just an example with one of our clients that has uh, manufacturing facilities all over the world. You know, each of their plants has, you know, a front office with about 25 to 30 people. And there's an IT manager there and then, you know, several hundred on the plant production floor. So there's an EHS manager, an EHS coordinator, and then a facilities manager. And so, but usually uh, our, our point of contact for all the universal waste and electronics is, uh, you know, channeled through their EHS manager of the site because they're they're ultimately responsible for the compliance at the end of the day for the from the regulatory standpoint so that the uh responsibilities offloaded from the IT manager the IT department is generally mostly concerned that the you know, that the data is being destroyed on the equipment coming out of service whereas the EHS they're obviously looking from the environmental standpoint for compliance of all their waste streams let's say a plant doesn't have a designated person to handle IT waste management For a manufacturing plant manager, what are the benefits to working with an outside firm for IT waste management versus working with their internal IT department? 
So the benefits for a plant manager to work with an outside IT firm instead of the uh, internal IT department, there are many. Um, when you use an out, outside firm to handle your IT disposition, you're offloading a task that's usually not part of the core competency of the, the internal IT department. So, you know, it allows the, your internal IT team to focus on, you know, mission critical tasks and dealing with, you know, the day to day operations of making sure your network's up and running, any, you know, desktop support, you know, issues so that they can just focus on what they, what their main, you know, what their main goals and objectives are. Whereas, you know, the disposition of equipment's generally you know, an afterthought for that department and not something that they generally, uh, you know, think of. So when it comes time to do it, then it becomes a, a burden. Whereas if you have you know, a vetted outside vendor that, that's a trusted partner that you can work with, they can just uh, offload that responsibility and know that it's taken care of and you can continue focusing on you know, their, their internal objectives. Can you walk us through the process of managing waste and how it can be made more efficient while still maintaining compliance? Like, Are there any basic tips that listeners should be aware of? Sure. So the process of, of managing, you know, the, the electronic waste streams and the disposition can be made more efficient by um, working with the internal team, you know, of your IT, EHS, and you know, different, you know, like facilities within your plant, and uh, and working with the outside vendor to develop a asset management plan that incorporates the proper disposition of all the all the plant electronics. So this can be done to make sure that the disposition is thought of at the beginning of the equipment's life cycle when it's put into use. And much like its uh, usable life and depreciation schedule are considered by you know the plant operations and accounting, you want to make sure that you're taking into account its disposition at the beginning of the life cycle and incorporating that into your overall process and for planning of its life cycle. I have one last question for you. Is personal IT disposition as regulated as it is for a manufacturing plant? I mean, do we have to follow the same rules if we're throwing out a laptop as we do, you know, in a plant environment? It's honestly a state by state basis. I know, for example, New York, New Jersey, tri-state area, you know, where there's, you know, it's fairly heavily regulated. You know, you can, I shouldn't say you can, but, you know, if you've got, you know, say a laptop and a cell phone from your house and you want to recycle it, you cannot just throw it out in the, you know, the regular garbage with your, you know, with the, you know, whatever, you know, normal garbage you're, you're tossing out. But um, most, you know, here in New Jersey, New York, and then a lot of other states, the counties and um, municipalities have provided um, electronics recycling collection locations for residents to be able to properly recycle that. And then they've contracted with outside vendors in my industry to then properly dispose of the equipment. Rob, do you have any follow-up questions for Chris? See, I figured you just took a CRT monitor down to the ditch on the side of the road and tossed it out the truck window. That's, that's <laughs> typically where I see CRTs these days. <laughs> Um, yeah, fortunately we, we're not seeing as many of them in the, in the waste stream, but I know like they used to be, I mean, that, that, that represented probably half of the residential small, you know, like this collection waste stream that we saw coming into our facility, but obviously thank God for the transition to, you know, more of the, the LCDs and there's not as many of them, but it's funny you say that about 
seeing them on the side of the road because I know uh, <laughs> we have we have partners we deal with out in uh, you know Western Pennsylvania and and some of the less regulated counties. There are scrapyards that will accept them, and they just they landfill them. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's not something I want to think about. No, no, because uh, the at least here in New Jersey, and I believe several other states, they passed, I believe it was 94 or 96, there was a law that prevented all CRT devices from being landfilled. And then, you know, then, then along came some universal waste laws and that, that prevented them from going curbside with your regular waste stream. But then there wasn't any downstream vendors in place to be able to handle that. So, you know, typical government fashion, we pass a law, but we don't have any way to actually enforce it. Okay, oops. <laughs> Anything else to add, Rob, before we uh, we wrap up our episode? The waste portion of it's new to me. This was interesting. Reuse of IT assets is near and dear to my heart. Back in, in my IT days, we, you know, we, we built a lot of the network using used Cisco devices you know, great devices just reused and, and, and not having to buy new. So, you know, savings from that standpoint. Yeah, we, we do a lot. Our business, I mean, we try to repurpose as much as possible. I mean, you know, so th- as little as possible that we can send to a recycling downstream is is our is our goal. Trying to reach like a almost 100% neutral for not even generating any garbage from our facility, for example, and then, you know, the amount that actually gets set for recycling. I mean, when we started out, it used to be like 50%, but as we improved our, our methods and processes over the years, you know, I'd say it's, you know, 90-10 now with what, you know, what can be reused, even, if, you know, as a refurbished whole system or harvesting of parts in that out of systems is also, uh, you know, a way that uh, can, you know, be able to extract additional revenue for the client, as I imagine you guys do on the on the, the manufacturing systems end. Yes. Yeah. Similar. Similar in that case. So, I mean, is there a percentage for e waste and, and then reusable items, resaleable items? Uh, what do you mean by percentage? Like what? What? What sense? So, a percentage seventy percent of what we collect, we we recycle. Thirty percent, we we resell or, or repurpose. I mean, it varies by, like for us, it varies by the client that we get. I mean, you know, we have some clients that 99% is able to be repurposed. And then, you know, you have other clients that don't have um, a true asset management plan in place or they or they like to um, depreciate things to the nth degree. <laughs> so the equipment's, you know, 10 plus years old and there's not, there's limited markets for the equipment in any form of reuse. So then unfortunately, you know, then it only just goes to a, you know, a recycling stream where then, you know, obviously then it just gets shredded and then uh, properly recycled and then converted back into, you know, reusable elements. Chris, this was really interesting information. We really appreciate you joining us for this episode and, you know, providing this information for our listeners. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You're Chris. welcome. I've included Chris's contact information in the show notes, and you can find him at CLR Solutions, working on data management and security for his customers. If you like this podcast, we'd love to have you leave us a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for joining us for episode 18 of Radwell Automation Nation. Until next time. To learn more about Radwell, visit radwell.com or connect with us on social media. To contact us about this podcast, email automationnation at radwell.com. Thanks for joining us.